Hi everyone, it's Cici here. I hope you're enjoying your day so far. You're listening to my podcast, where I take you on a journey each episode into the world of someone who's living the life of their dreams. My job is to unravel the mindset, the habits, and life experiences that got them there, so you can achieve it too. My guests are some of the happiest and most fulfilled people in the world, and it's my goal through this podcast to turn their wisdom into useful takeaways to help you achieve the same fulfillment in your life. So be sure to subscribe to the CC One Show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and check out our past episodes featuring top artists, thinkers, trailblazers, and athletes. All right, let's get to today's show. We do only have one life, and if I really do want to. Uh, accomplish certain things that I think would be great and, and that that uh, really motivate me. I'm going to give it a go, and so I gave it a go in many cases and ended up doing three different careers. When we think of politicians here in North America, astronauts and those in the technical fields are usually not it. But my guest today managed to be both. He was the first Canadian astronaut to fly to space and Canada's foreign minister in 2021. Now, for Canadians listening, you probably know by now who I'm talking about. Yes, my guest today is Mr. Mark Arnault, who's probably the most principled politician that I've talked to so far. In 1983, Mr. Arnault was selected out of 4,000 applicants to be one of six astronauts in Canada's first astronaut program. A year later, he made history by becoming the first Canadian to fly to space inside NASA Space Shuttle Challenger, and later the first non-American to work as Capcom at NASA Mission Control. He's had two more space flights since 1984, where he was an expert in operating the Canadarm, and in 2001 was named the president of the Canadian Space Agency. That's why most people were surprised when he left that position in 2005 to run for federal office and initially failed. In many ways, Mr. Garneau appears to be the opposite of the typical politician. He's soft-spoken and has a gentle demeanor, but also calm and collected. During our interview, I wanted to get to know Mr. Garneau better as a person. What is it that really motivates him, and why he left CISA to pursue politics late in his life? Also, how did he navigate being the odd man in politics and slowly make his way into Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet? And what it was like to be Canada's foreign minister during the Mo Wen Jiao to Michael's crisis, and how he's doing today after leaving the cabinet. Here's our interview. Please enjoy. Good to be with you this morning. <laughs> All right. So you just turned seventy-three this year, and I understand that you're currently working on a memoir about your life. Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Well, I actually decided about fifteen years ago that、uh, before my memory became faded and clouded,、uh, that it would be a good idea for me to write something. So, what I did ten years ago, or fifteen years ago, was to write down a series of、uh, bullets about different points in my life that I thought would be interesting for my children to learn about. And、uh, so, I did the bullet form、uh, back then, and then、uh, around November of last year. Uh, I started to、uh, write the actual document, and so、uh, I'm partway through it at the moment, and really enjoying the experience because it's forcing me to get things right. You know, because as you age, you you begin to sort of、uh, have cloudy memories of of what actually happened, the time and the place, and all those things. So I'm really enjoying the experience of、uh, straightening it all out before I forget it. <laughs> yeah, you've had some incredible jobs over your long career.、Um, you know, first. Starting out in the Navy as a naval officer, then the Canadian Space Agency, and since 2008, the government of Canada. 
I'm wondering what has been the most challenging job for you. Uh, in many ways, they each have their own challenges.、Um, politics is quite different from being an astronaut. When you're an astronaut, you basically、uh, it's a very technical job, and you learn the laws of physics. And、uh, going into space obeys the laws of physics.、Uh, being a politician, on the other hand, is more unpredictable because there are emotions that come in, values that come in, and so it's a slightly more complex job in a certain way. And for somebody who's an engineer and Is used to、uh, working with very defined uh, uh, laws. If you like, it, it is a bit of an adjustment. But I've been at it now for over thirteen years, and I've made that adjustment. Yeah, I gotta say, I was pretty surprised when you ran for parliament because you probably don't know this, but I went to Marker No High School. Oh, <laughs> in, yeah, in Toronto, <laughs> and I. Yeah, and I actually met you、um, when you were giving a talk. I think that was back in. Two thousand seven or eight, probably around the period when you were thinking about turning into politics. Yeah, and I, I remember being so surprised because I saw you as this astronaut, but then you made this completely one eighty degree career change. I guess what prompted that move? Well, I've always been interested in politics, and you know, realizing that it is the elected officials of this country that that make the laws that affect us so much. And、mm-hmm. uh, when I was very young, I wasn't particularly interested because I couldn't see how it changed my life. But as you get older and you you have a family, you start to pay taxes. You you begin to realize that、uh, what happens in Ottawa is actually fairly important、uh, in terms of how it affects your life. So I always made a point of watching the news and trying to keep up to date, both nationally and internationally, and and locally. And then、uh, I was at the Canadian Space Agency. This was in two thousand and five. I was the president, and I was approached by one of the political parties, the Liberal Party, and they said, "Would you like to run in politics?" And so I had to give it some very serious thought because it is quite a, a change of career. Yeah. And、uh, unfortunately, I didn't have much time to think about it because the election actually、uh, kicked off about two months later. And、uh, I decided. Well, I was at the time I was fifty fifty six, and I decided. Well, I'm still young enough to、uh, to do that. And. What attracted me was the opportunity, possibly,、uh, to have a have a say、mm. in some of the policies that the government of Canada puts in place. I was particularly interested in science policy,、um, innovation, because obviously the Canadian Space Agency is a place that does a lot of science and does a lot of innovation. And I thought it would be great if I had a a, a voice in all of this, and that's what attracted me into politics. I see. I see. And would you say, despite it, you know, despite its challenges, it's also the most rewarding in that you get to have your say in a lot of stuff too. Yes, that's exactly it.、Uh, as、uh, president of the Canadian Space Agency, I could recommend things to our politicians,、uh, mm-hmm. which was my job. But ultimately, they make the decisions. I see. Okay. I noticed that all your past jobs have been highly challenging and high pressure. And most people would be turned off by those two characteristics of a job. Why were you drawn to them? I'm one of these people who, first of all, is very curious about everything around me. Secondly, I feel very strongly that we only have one chance at life, and、uh, that、uh, we don't want to. I remember somebody saying to me a long time ago. You know, when I was young, there were things I dreamed of, and when I got to sixty-five, I had a lot of regrets because I never, never tried to 
make those dreams come true. And it stuck with me. And I thought, well, we do only have one life. And if I really do want to uh, accomplish certain things that I think would be great and, and that, that uh, really motivate me, I'm going to give it a go. And so I gave it a go in many cases and ended up doing three different careers. I have to tell you, when I applied to become an astronaut, I didn't think I was going to be chosen, but it's something that I thought would be an incredible adventure, a chance to explore a, a new frontier. And I said to myself, well, if I don't make it, that's not the end of the world. I was very fortunate and I did uh, get chosen. Mm -hmm. When you were a child, did you have like very big goals for yourself? When I was a child, what fascinated me is what I ended up doing in my first career, which was uh, joining the Navy. And the reason for it is because before I turned 15, I had actually crossed the ocean on two occasions in a passenger liner in a ship. Mm. Uh, because my father, in one case, we were, my father was in the army. So we were coming back from Germany and we came back by ship. And then a few years later, he was sent to England uh, for another posting and we crossed the ocean again, this time in the other direction. And when I was out there on the ocean, I found it mesmerizing. I, I just thought the first time I was seven years old, the second time I was, I was 12. And I just thought this is so incredible this this vast expanse of ocean that most of us never see during our lives because we don't necessarily live by the sea. And it just beckoned me. And I said to myself, when I do uh, become an adult, that's what I want to do. So that was my dream as a child. A lot of people mm -hmm. have often asked me, well, did you dream of being an astronaut when, when, when you were a child? No, I, I didn't. Uh, it, it was the sea for me that uh, was what, uh, what called out to me. Yeah. And then the turn into um, an astronaut, uh, that was when uh, the Canadian Space Program was still in its infancy, right? Yes, it was. I mean, the Canadian Space Agency had already uh, accomplished quite a bit, but on the non-human side. So Canada was a pioneer in science in space. We were a pioneer in communication satellites in space. We were also a pioneer with robotics, which everybody knows about the famous uh, Canadian arm that uh, flew on the shuttle and that is now on the International Space Station. But it was in 1983 that uh, NASA, wanting to thank Canada because we had designed the robotic arm, mm. said, we'd like to fly a couple of Canadians. And uh, at the time, I was in the Navy, very, very happy in the Navy. I was going to make a, a full career of the Navy because it really was what I enjoyed the most. But I saw this ad in the newspaper. This was in Ottawa in 1983. And it said, Canada's going to create an astronaut program. If you think you you have the right <laughs> stuff or whatever you want to call it, uh, apply. And so uh, I, uh, I remember talking to, to my family about it. And they said, yeah, go ahead, try it, try it. And, um, and I put my name in. And there was about a six-month uh, selection process with many different stages because we were over 4,000 when we applied. Yeah. And, they, and they had to bring it down to six people. But um, that was a, a, a very much a turning point in my life. What, did they, like, what kind of qualities were they looking for? We're looking for people, first of all, that um, had the right technical qualifications. You had mm -hmm. to have a university degree, preferably in science or engineering or medicine, because you need doctors up in space. 
Secondly, you had to be in good health. It doesn't mean you had to be an athlete. It didn't mean, doesn't mean that you had to have perfect vision and, and everything perfect, but you had to be healthy. And so that, and, and you had to do a medical exam that was very, very thorough. And the third is the sort of less well-defined qualities of an astronaut, which is to be a good communicator and a good team player. Mm. And, and they, they sort of, during the six months that we went through this selection process, there were opportunities along the way for them to assess whether you were that kind of a person. If you're an introverted person and you're not a big communicator and you want to work by yourself, you shouldn't become an astronaut. On the other hand, if you are a team player and you know how to communicate quickly and accurately and, and clearly, then perhaps you have that. And and I have to say, I, I think what helped me was the fact that uh, I mentioned that I crossed the ocean twice uh, in a passenger liner, but I also crossed the ocean twice in a in a 59-foot sailboat later on when I was in the Navy with a crew of 13. So that was kind of a demonstration that I was able to work with a small crew mm. out on the Atlantic Ocean, crossing it, a 20-day crossing uh, the first time, 25 the second time, and that that was sort of proof that perhaps I was able to work in, in an environment that's not all that different when you go up into space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you finally got up to space, what did it feel like being the first Canadian? It was a tremendous honor. Uh, you know, I can remember thinking, I, I felt in some ways I was carrying the weight of my country. Uh, I remember sitting in the space shuttle, it was the Challenger and on the launch pad and, and they strap you in about two and a half hours before you lift off. And at that point, I realized the training is over. Um, I've, I've told my family how much I love them and, 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 uh, and that I'll see them again in eight days. Uh, and, uh, and you're sitting there and you're, you realize that Canadians are watching. This was the first time a Canadian was going to fly and there was an enormous amount of interest in Canada. And I felt, I don't want to let them down. I've got to do my job really well so that I can, you know, make them proud. And so that, I felt a certain amount of pressure from that point of view. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fortunately, everything went well. So it was, uh, it turned out to be a great mission. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious, how do you handle pressure at your at work or, you know, in your life? I think that... Um, People have often asked me that question. I think what I am able to do, some people call it com compartmentalize. Hmm. Um, because when you're stressed and everybody experiences stress, and I've certainly experienced stress just like everybody else, uh, it's a question of being able to focus on what is really important in that moment. And that's one of the things that, that you do as an astronaut. Uh, if all hell is breaking loose and you have a serious problem uh, in your vehicle and the, that is even potentially life-threatening and that didn't happen, but we trained for it continuously, is that's, you know, the time when it is really critically important for you to focus in on what you need to do at that moment. Mm -hmm. You haven't got the time to fall apart. You have to focus on what you need to do because your life or the success of the mission depends on it. So uh, I don't know if you can train for that or whether it's just something that's that's in you, but uh, that's one of the things that I think has helped me to deal with stress is identifying why I'm stressed and trying to find a solution for it 
and staying focused on that. So you go into problem solving mode. Yeah, exactly. I see. Okay. Um, so you went to space later on uh, in two additional missions uh, between 1984 and 2000 uh, to conduct science experiments, operate the Canadarm. How did those trips um, change your outlook on life and the world? Uh, profoundly. Uh, going into space is something that, you know, less than a thousand people have done now, even though the first person flew almost 60 years ago. So um, it um, it is something that changes you because that perspective, that visual perspective, but also it's it's more abstract than that. That that ability to see your planet from above, you go around it every 90 minutes. You go around it 16 times a day. You, you see it uh, surrounded by the blackness of space and you realize this is home. This is where we all live, uh, almost 8 billion of us. And it's our only home. And it's not going to be possible to go somewhere else for a very long time. So we're there. We have to take care of this planet. You're also, as an adult, aware of the fact that we, we're fighting each other all the time. I mean, you know, if you open the paper today, you'll find out that there are many places across the planet where people are fighting each other and killing each other. And, and it's, it's, it's a sad situation. Secondly, you visually see the signs of damage that you are doing to your planet. Uh, and I'm talking about the environment here how we are polluting our planet, whether it's its atmosphere, whether it's its rivers, whether it's its oceans, whether it is, it is its land. So you, these things sort of hit you very hard when you're up there looking down at the planet. It's not like reading an article about it in the newspaper. You're seeing this. And so you become more concerned about global issues. I mean, most of us in our daily life are concerned about local issues, the things that happen in that little horizon that surrounds us, uh, in that little world that surrounds us, the immediate uh, is what preoccupies us most of the time. But when you're up in space, you think on a more global scale and you become more concerned about things like uh, arresting climate change and, and, and learning mm -hmm. to to sustain our development on this planet and learning to get along with each other, which seems to be such a challenge. Those are the things that, that you think about when you're up in space. Yeah, I guess that experience and that perspective definitely played a role in why you um, decided to run for politics later on then. I think it did. I think it mm -hmm. did. And uh, I, I really did want to uh, get out there and have a chance to to see if Canada could play a role on the world stage. Mm, I see. Uh, in 2001, you were appointed the president of the Canadian Space Agency, overseeing 700 staff and a budget of 300 million. Uh, how was that transition for you from an astronaut to an executive? It was a fairly smooth one, although I had a lot to learn. It was a natural changing uh, of my career as an astronaut because I was 51 at the time, and, uh, and uh, that's a good time to, to uh, do other things. And I had quite a bit of experience of, uh, about uh, the space program, but mostly on the human side. So I had a lot to learn about everything else that Canada was doing in space uh, through the Canadian Space Agency. And it's a very proud history. We're the third country in space. Um, we launched 
Alouette 1 back in 1962 to study the, the ionosphere, which is above us. Uh, we have been pioneers in other areas of, of technology in space. And I had to learn all that stuff as well. And then I also, because I reported to the Minister of Industry, Science and Technology, I had my first direct interface with the politicians mm. in Ottawa to whom I reported. So those were things that I had to learn. And uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, my, my five years uh, or four years, four and a half years at the Canadian Space Agency because uh, it, uh, I'm very proud of our record. Uh, space is a very risky business. And when you spend hundreds of millions of dollars on technologies and uh, that, uh, that are going to be launched into space, uh, you have some nerve wracking moments when the launch occurs and you wonder, is it going to work once it gets up there? Because so much has been invested in it. And uh, I was very glad that uh, things went very well uh, during my tenure uh, at the Canadian mm -hmm. Space Agency. Yeah. So in 2005, you left that post at the Canadian Space Agency to run for Parliament. Uh, what made 2005 the year that you decided to do that? Well, it was the year I was approached. So in the summer, late summer, two, um, one was a politician, the other one was a, was a person who worked in a political office. They came to visit me at the Canadian Space Agency and said, look, there's probably going to be an election this fall. We don't know if you're a liberal for all for, for all they knew. I could have been a, a, a from another uh, interested in other parties. Uh, and secondly, we have no idea whether you would be interested, but we're going to ask you just the same. And so uh, we would like you to to run. And that's uh, the thought that they left with me. And I said, look, I'll think about it and I'll talk to my family about it. And so that's really what started it off. Mm. And, uh, and uh, after thinking about it, I thought, well, this is another one of those moments in my life where uh, I have to make a decision. This is something that interests me, but it's a big change because once I leave the Canadian Space Agency, I can't come back. That's, that door closes and maybe I won't get elected. And in fact, I didn't get elected. I, uh, I, I ran in, 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 uh, in, at a time when the Liberal Party had been the government for 13 years. Um, and it's very hard after you've been in power so long not to, um, not to become unpopular. And Canadians uh, were basically saying, it's time for a change. We, we need to... Uh, to, uh, we've had the Liberals long enough, and so we're going to make a change at this point. And in Quebec, where I ran, there was this uh, this issue of the of the sponsorship scandal, which which was a very big factor mm. in the province of Quebec. So my timing, uh, you could say, was not the best. But sometimes you have to make a decision uh, in life, and not everything lines up perfectly. Uh, but as it turned out, uh, uh, the experience of running in uh, in uh, a riding called Vaudreuil-Soulange in uh, just uh, in my province of Quebec uh, was a very educational one. And although I lost, uh, it basically planted the seed for me to want to continue, and I did. And uh, and I worked, you know, as a as a volunteer for the next two years. And two years later, I I was elected, and I've been elected since then. Mm -hmm. So how did you find your initial foray into politics? Because like you said earlier, uh, at near the beginning of the interview, you said politics was very different from, you know, the technical field of space. There's people, there's emotions, it's very messy. 
So how did you find that initially? Was it a shocker for you? Yes, it was a shocker because when I was an astronaut, everybody liked me uh, because they liked astronauts. They want to hear about uh, what uh, astronauts do and, uh, and uh, they're fascinated by it. And I had been sharing that experience uh, from the very beginning, from way back in 1984. So already for over 20 years, I had, I had spoken maybe thousands of times in, in schools and other places and everybody wanted to know all about it. When you enter politics, on the other hand, uh, you enter a very public arena where people have different views. And so sometimes people will tell you to your face, uh, I don't agree with you, you're wrong. Um, your government, your party is, uh, is a terrible party. Your party uh, has different values from me. You'll also hear people who, who support you as well. But what I'm saying is that you are now fair game for people to express themselves because as a politician, that's what you uh, expect and that's what uh, you have to be prepared to deal with. And so I went from being somebody that everybody liked and I can't tell you how many times people said, I wish you'd stayed out of politics. We liked you when you were uh, an astronaut, but now I'm sorry, we don't agree with you. And, and I would say to them, well, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to dislike me. You can disagree with me, but it's your, your call anyway. But all that to say that um, uh, you have to develop a bit of a thick skin when you go mm. into politics because you're going to get criticized by people and it comes with the job. Yeah. And sometimes you also have to defend yourself too. How do you, how do you how do you transition into that role? It seems some it just seems like a role that's completely the opposite of your personality. Well, you defend yourself not by getting mad. Mm. You defend yourself by trying to explain and use logic and say, "Look, this is why I feel this way about a particular issue. You're free to disagree with me, but." you at least know why I support this position or my, why my party supports this position. So rational discussion. And, uh, and I've had many of those discussions on front porches during uh, election campaigns. And most people, the vast majority of people are very reasonable. Mm. Uh, and they, they may tell you, look, I don't agree with you, but they don't, they don't raise their voices, so to speak. But occasionally some of them will raise their voices and, and get very emotional about a thing, and you just have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about the very tough job you were given in 2000, uh, 2021, um, when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tapped you to be the uh, foreign minister for Canada. Mm -hmm. How tough was it? <laughs> well, it's a job I had always wanted, uh, and so I was delighted. I mean, I've lived 17 years of my life outside of Canada. I've lived in England, I've lived in Germany, I've lived in the United States. Um, I love international politics. I mentioned my, my, my experience in space and, and having that more global perspective. And uh, I loved the job. And there were lots of things that I started um, during the, the nine and a half months that I was there. I was also dealing at the time, well, we were, all of us were in COVID, but we were also dealing with probably two issues that were particularly uh, challenging. One was the fact that with respect to China, uh, we had the two Michaels who, were, who were, had been uh, arbitrarily detained by China, and we were doing everything possible to get their release. And secondly, we had the situation in Afghanistan where um, as the Taliban moved in and took over 
the country, uh, we ended up being in a situation where we couldn't immediately get all of the uh, Canadians who were there uh, and some of the Afghans who had helped Canada, we couldn't get them out because uh, the takeover happened so quickly and they closed the commercial airport. And so we were left with with the situation of, um, of that military airlift, which went on frantically for a couple of weeks. And, and we all saw that daily on, in the, in the, on the television. So that was, those were two very challenging uh, moments. And, and, and there are obviously consequences. I'm, I'm very, very happy that we got the two Michaels back uh, during the time that I was there. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, we still have uh, more work to do. Uh, we, we have now uh, been able to bring back over 13,000 Afghans, but uh, and our target is 40,000, but we still have some work to do on that front. And it's not easy when there's in a country where the Taliban is, uh, is uh, rules with, a, with an iron fist. So there's still work to be done from that point of view. But um, I enjoyed, I, you know, as much as those are challenges, I very much enjoyed it. And there were lots of things that I wanted to continue to do but it, as it turned out, uh, the prime minister, after each election, can choose a new cabinet, and and uh, he uh, he didn't have a place for me in it. So uh, I had to make that transition from being a, a cabinet minister for the previous six years uh, to being the member of parliament for for my writing, which I always was, but but which was now uh, my responsibility in in a more centri- in in a more uh, focused way. Uh, although things did change uh, in the months after because uh, I was asked to chair uh, two committees, which which I have really, really enjoyed and which I think are very, very important. One is the Indigenous and Northern Affairs Committee. This is a parliamentary standing committee. And the other is co-chairing a special joint committee on medical assistance in dying, which is also an extremely important issue, uh, which can potentially affect all Canadians. So I've made that transition to to not being a cabinet minister, and I'm still finding that I'm highly motivated to to work in those uh, on those two committees. Mm-hmm. Looking back at your politics career, is there anything you would have done differently? No, there isn't. Um, you know, my number one priority is to serve my country and I'm doing it the best way I can. Uh, and I do it in accordance with the values and principles that I hold, which are a product of, of my upbringing, of the people, my parents and everybody else. That's what ultimately defines what people have as values. And I think that, am I saying I, I, I haven't made any mistakes along the way? No, I, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that I've made mistakes along the way. Yeah, there's no question about it. But my intention has always been to try to, uh, whether it was at transport, whether it was uh, at foreign affairs, or whether it's in my committees now, is to try to do things to serve my country, to make it a better country. And I have no regrets. Uh, I've, I've jumped into it with both feet. And, uh, and uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I sleep well at night is how I would put it. Mm-hmm. So right now, as we're speaking, you've settled into a slower pace of life. Are there still things remaining that you want to do? or Are you happy with where you are right now? I'm happy with where I am right now, um, doing the two committees. And uh, when I have some spare time writing my memoirs, that's keeping me uh, very happy. And, and of course, 
focusing on my writing. Uh, as a cabinet minister, I was not able to give it all of the attention I wanted, and uh, now I can give it more attention. Mm -hmm. And do you also have more time to spend with family? Yes, largely because of, uh, of the fact that we operate in a hybrid mode these days, uh, virtually. Um, and so I spend less time in Ottawa. Uh, I spend less time traveling. I traveled a lot uh, as foreign affairs minister during that brief period. So I am with my family more and operate from my home more. And uh, I certainly, I mean, my day is full. I, I'm working, uh, I'm in front of a screen all day, but uh, I have more contact with my family, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thank you, Mr. Garneau, for your time uh, to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. A real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Mark Garneau is a Canadian politician and the first Canadian astronaut to space. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. And head over to cc-1.com, that's S-I-S-S-I-W-A-N-G.com for more interviews like this one, plus read about the guests you just heard and see pictures from the interviews. Thanks so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time.